I know you're gonna dig this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun field, fun packed episode of Conversation about dot, dot, dot. My name is Will, and today on our NSC Roadshow episode of Conversation about dot, 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 I get the honor of privilege to talk to Danny Gorney, uh, writer, creator of Sleepwalkers, Volume 1. Not only are we getting a few comic books, a few tasty comic books, we're getting a trade paperback to start us off with, kick this thing off right. So, first of all, thanks, folks, Danny, say hello to the people. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey Will, thanks for having me. Not a problem at all, sir. Uh, so, let me get this straight. Got a 110 page graphic novel about life after graduation. Uh, horror through adulting and imagining yourself as a superhero, except there may be more than imagination going on. I mean, yeah, there's quite a lot more than imagination going on. There's some crazy psychic projection going on. There's a giant monster at the end of the book. Really, um, it's about how to work your way through life, you know, when you're the one responsible for your own happiness. Ah, okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So we have a main character named Faith Richmond. Faith Richmond, yeah. Faith Richmond and uh, dreams of affecting the world in a really positive way. Uh, but life is doing what life does. It, uh, Rocky told us so eloquently, you know, life is only yours. There's no thing to hit you harder than life, you know, so. Sorry, I'm totally going to, we're going to segue right off topic right now. I totally saw Sylvester Stallone at work today. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um, I just got a new job at a local TV station. He's uh-huh. uh, on tour talking about uh, a new show project. Yeah. 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 Like, and I thought the whole, like, so I saw it was on the schedule. I was like, it's going to be a video thing, right? He's in LA, right? No, he was here. Oh wow! Okay, I I got yeah. It was a whole thing, and I was just like, "Wow, okay." And then, bam! Rocky quote: "Will you got my day (laughs) down a hundo p?" I dig it. I dig it. So uh, anyway, we've got this young lady who college graduate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, so, talk to me a little bit about Faith. Talk to me about what's going on with her. Yeah. so she's got uh, a bachelor's degree in philosophy. She kicked ass at school and life won't start. So um, that's something that has a bit of a personal connection. I've done some advanced degrees and my life continues to, I mean, start in very, very weird ways, stop, go backwards, do the whole thing. So I was looking for a character who, did everything right and it just isn't working. And um, so what she's anxious about, of course, is that maybe it's her and not society, not the economy, not anything, you know, she can control um, since she did everything right. And um, one of the reasons this project starts off with such a big graphic novel is like, we really put her through the ringer. Right, like applying for jobs, being treated like meat, uh, working terrible temp jobs. The gig economy is very unpleasant, as uh, many people know. And um, sort of her emotional state as she goes through this sort of journey of watching her friends pass her by, um, and that that's sort of you know where we get her to, and then blow it up with some superheroes, monsters, and all kinds of shenanigans. 
there's a very real uh there's a very real story there because i mean a lot of people especially you know you see a lot of people that are graduating out of college now for example and they're going okay you know i got this degree in social economic studies or whatever and here i am working uber six days a week trying yeah. to make you can have a degree in business and still be working uber these days right so um I'm kind of old, I guess. Like I turned 41 this year. Okay. So like when I was in school, it was like the 90s, and everyone was like, yo, the boomers, they're gonna retire soon. You know, do what you're gonna do. There's like a bright future ahead of you. And I mean, the boomers still haven't retired. It's 2022. <laughs> right? Like the, those opportunities for a lot of people just didn't arrive the, the way they were told to. Um, so I think that's a feature of the world that's worth exploring. Like, what does it do to people? So um, what I really wanted to do with the graphic novel is have the expression of that be the superhero, be her imagination. So the superhero, um, it can do what she can't, right? It can make the world a better place. That's what she wants to do. Um, it can change the discourse and have people talk about good things that are going on, which is of course something that she wants. Uh, and it looks like how she imagines power to look like and, and how, you know, it's her subconscious sort of leaving her body while she sleeps. So uh, it's really about, you know, her anxiety that, again, maybe it is her and it's something she had no control over. Uh, Faith is a young Black woman. Uh, as I'm sure you've seen from the previews, the superhero is not those things. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, I am a non-visible minority, so I certainly had those sorts of feelings like, man, things would be so much easier if I were whiter. <laughs> and so, you know, it was sort of, sort of a way to externalize that. Um, okay. And that's the case with both the heroes and the villains in the book. They all get their powers from the same source. And the way it looks visually on the page is really based on what they imagine oh. they need to look like in order to affect the world. <laughs> um, spoilers for you know volume two and three my jeff bezos evil villain character very much wants to look like themselves <laughs> um with just some minor changes whereas you know our, my characters who are lower in social class i guess not really class uh mm -hmm. position you know they, they uh, status. Yeah, yeah um have increasingly um exotic and strange ways that they want to um, affect the world because they're less comfortable in just being themselves and that's sort of the, the direction the book is going it's not a tragedy it starts off miserable but it's not a tragedy by the end hey nothing wrong with that sometimes it, you know you, it, i mean that that's why it's a fiction yeah the thing about the thing about life sometimes is that yeah there is a lot of times where we have to look at ourselves have to ask ourselves some hard questions but at the same time we have to understand that there's certain things about life we can't control we can only deal with what we can yeah and absolutely. You know, yeah but i love the idea that she's going off and saving the world and this subconscious alter ego that doesn't look like her and so it's kind of interesting i think i was looking at some of the artwork and i'm going this is interesting like it kind of it kind of made me think like old school cloak and dagger back in the day those nice, comics where yeah. you had you know tandy both you had these two heroes who literally was like so we're gonna take drugs and you take the drugs and then because if you take the drugs 
it may kill a bunch of people. We're going to make this really perfect drug. And instead, you made this, you know, you created this, kicked off mutations in these two mutants that didn't realize they had these abilities. So one of them is like super light power, super positive, super ba ha ha. And she just happens to be the blonde haired white girl. And then you've got the black guy who's kind of into himself, kind of, I don't, you know, the world doesn't know how to accept me embrace me, and then he kind of becomes literally the embodiment of darkness, and it's just like, what are you really trying to say? <laughs> I know, right? But like, the the show, I think it was like a Hulu show, like they did two, at least two seasons. It was real good. Yep. Real good. Like, and yeah, I mean, I know what I'm trying to say, but um, yeah, like, the way that show dealt with it, and the way it dealt with like their two characters, and and you know, especially race in the 21st century in America. I thought that was like real profound, surprisingly profound. I was just like, yo, give me these characters and something resembling the MCU and I'm happy. And all of a sudden I'm dealing with like would be awesome. a serious discussions of like crazy dreamscapes. All it was a great show. So bring me um, everything that bring me everything that that the MCU didn't want. Like bring me Agents of Shield, bring me uh, give me the Runaways. Give me the uh, the Cloak and Dagger series. Give me Luke Cage back at some point. Although that actor has been really busy since Luke Cage. I don't know if you can get him back. Uh, uh, and rightly so. He's hella good. You know. Uh, give me. Of course, we've already got Daredevil back in the MCU officially. Give me John Bernthal as a Punisher. Like, give me all that. Whatever you can get. Minus Iron Fist, because I did not like that show. <laughs> And I really like that character, partially because I have the same first name as uh, Danny Rand. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first Iron Fist books I actually finally read um, as I was getting back into comics, um, I guess around like, I don't know, 2017, 18, like when, when Ms. Marvel was coming out, uh, like the new one and that sort of thing. And so I picked up... Um, the the last Iron Fist story, and like, it, this is so like, obviously none of your listeners know me. Uh, there's this moment where like he's like trying to throw a train at a mountain in order to open a portal to another world, um, you know. And and Misty and Luke are like, oh God, does Daddy have a plan? And he's like, Yo, I totally have a plan. Like, do not let Daddy implement his plan. And for people who do know me, yeah, I'm a schemer. Uh, so I very often have a plan. I feel like my plans aren't that treacherous, but often there is one. And that I just want to see him doing Kung Fu and making ridiculous decisions constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the show had like some moments here and there, but like the Kung Fu just wasn't there. And if you're not going to, if you're not going to have Bruce Lee quality stuff, like what are you doing an iron fist i'm sitting going daredevil had better martial arts daredevil had better martial uh, arts instead like, of bad lads had better martial arts and they had half the budget i think the iron man movie had better martial arts <laughs> <laughs> i saw the weird the weird movie it's called weird the al yankovich story i've never seen that but i told so me it just came out on roku channel okay. uh friday and it's Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al. There's been a martial arts in that. And the Dude. thing about it is, Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al. Listen to that sentence for a minute. And think, 
there's better martial arts than that movie and one clip of that movie that I saw in the whole entirety of Iron Fist and or around Danny Rand during the Defenders. Dude, I believe everything. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, how did they get this awesome fight scene out of Daniel Radcliffe, but yet you couldn't get an Iron Fist at work? Like, <laughs> I mean, as someone who's working in media, it's prep time. And I think that was actually the thing for the show, but Man, you know what I kind of miss? I, again, this is like an I'm old thing. I really miss not knowing about someone else's show's pre-production before it launches, mm-hmm. right? Like all of this stuff, like it's really newsworthy. And I know these worlds are, are huge, huge things like globally and people want to know, yeah. oh, what's pre-production like here? What actor showed up on set here for this cool cameo? Blah, 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 blah. I really miss like, I have no idea what it is I just watched and it was really good. Like I'm finding that on Netflix with like foreign shows, no problem. Um, I mean, here's me being weird and nerdy sort of taking it back to like more academic pursuits. There's this great show and I think it's Netflix original. So you might be able to watch it too. Cause like I'm in Canada. I don't even know if we have the same Netflix. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we don't. Um, It's called Nobody's Watching. It's Brazilian. Um, and it's like, yeah, a brand new guardian angel finds out there is no God and just goes off his, goes, goes nuts. It's so good. It's so good. Like highly recommend. And it's like, that's where I'm finding like surprise and and joy a lot of the time. That kind of reminds me of, uh, stuff that I'm not hearing about constantly. Okay. I'll have to to look and see if we've got that. Cause yeah, definitely. I think like netflix funded it so you might got so now one thing we always talk about especially when we do these shows where we talk to people doing kickstarter campaigns and things like that uh as we all know kickstarters aren't normally one-man jobs normally it takes a team of people to create these things you know whether it's you know you're coming up with the idea and the baseline but then you got to have artists you got to have colorists you got to have letters you got all these different people working in together behind the scenes to go from idea to finished product so talk to me a little bit about the team that you've corralled around yourself in order to make that happen. Sure thing. So this project uh, sort of started as like a conversation I was having with my friend, uh, Diana Gunn. Uh, she's a novelist. And now, uh, so I have English degrees, so many English degrees. Um, and, and like I did my PhD in medieval literature. <laughs> um, so like we're hanging out and talking and it's like 2018, lots of crazy stuff is happening in the news. I know it's shocking after 2020, but like there was a couple of years of like weird, crazy stuff happening in the news that felt increasingly shocking and now feels quaint retrospectively. Compared to the other shocking stuff that's happening now. I, <laughs> even 2020 itself, I remember that like the, the president was threatening nuclear war with Syria and like two months later, those were the good old days. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about some stuff that's going on, especially with like the Charlottesville thing and, um, sort of we came up with this idea together and I was like, okay, well, I spent all this time reading stories and I have spent a large portion of my childhood and adulthood telling people I'm studying English, but I don't want to be a writer when I grow up. Uh, and this <laughs> is a project that changed all that for me. Um, so even though I've had a few other Kickstarters, this is sort of the project that got me to comment. So we figure out the character, 
we figure out what we want to sort of include about the character in there. Uh, we were just talking about some of that earlier, especially that transformation. And uh, so we like worked together and we wrote the story and sort of broke it up into the main story arcs and into the, into the 12 chapters that it is. Um, then I worked with my friend, um, Amy Brander uh, found me Greg Waronchak, the uh, illustrator. So um, he kicks ass, he's out of Ottawa um, and he's the one who brought this to life uh, in, in line work. And that was a big long process. I mean, this is a pretty big book uh, and it looks great. I'm really, really happy with it. Um, then I had to find a colorist. So we got like our first test pages and I go on Facebook and I auditioned for colorists and I, I'm a lit major. I don't know from color theory. So I auditioned like 16 people, which was so many. That was a terrible, terrible mistake. It was like three weeks of my life being like, uh, these things have slight variations. I don't know which I like more because there's this thing I like, and there's this thing I like, and who am I going to work with? But um, the way Felipe um, did the dust effects and the sunset on the, the page with the uh, Lovecraftian monster that's on the Kickstarter preview, that's the page that actually got him the job. There you go. Um, like that was just like, yeah, okay, we can stick the landing for volume one. I'm happy. Felipe, let's do this. And then um, also on Facebook, I found Marco Della Verde, who's doing my letters. Um, I met the cover artist, uh, Kenny Lamb, at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival in 2019. I have one, I bought one of his pieces and like he's got this like really painterly style but like um like for his personal pieces uh like a little bit of that Dave McKean sort of cut and pasty Picasso-esque choppiness mm -hmm. and I was like yeah this is a story about dreams I'm down for off Dave McKean let's go yeah right um Kenny's day job he's a concept artist at Ubisoft Toronto Ooh. Um, and then um, my, my friend Steve Cole, who runs the Comic Book Editors Alliance, on, also on Facebook, um, like I've known him for a little bit longer than that because us Canadians stick together. I think it's because of all the maple syrup. <laughs> um, so uh, after syrup, Tim Hortons, who knows? Man, I, yeah, <laughs> all of them, they're great. You know, you can get maple syrup flavored things at Tim Hortons, it's like a twofer. There you go. Uh, so yeah, uh, once once we produced everything, um, because this has been like a really long production and because like, so, okay, backstory time. I, by the way, I don't write like this. Flashbacks do not go in the middle of explanations. <laughs> okay, I'm not trying to catch up like to a manga. This is, I, I definitely, I've just come home from work and I'm under caffeinated. That's my terrible excuse. Hey, so, don't worry. That's why your conversation can work. <laughs> I mean, well, I'll take you to all kinds of places for this conversation. Well, um, so yeah, uh, we were producing this. Like, we, we really started putting pen to paper in 2019. And uh, I joined a studio with some other comics artists locally. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this one book. I'm going to like write comics because while I'm waiting for uh, the way Sleepwalkers was produced, we, like, Diana and I, like, got to a point where we knew, like, I knew I was taking the landing, and everything was at least fully scripted to first or second draft before anything got done. By everything, I mean 
all 12 issues worth. Yeah, this was very much a, I'm not doing this until I know I can stick the landing story. Because, I mean, you know, parts of the concept, if I explain them very briefly, sound very sus. <laughs> Uh, so this is very much like, I, um, with some confidence, I can stick the landing. So it took us until 2019 to really start putting pen to paper. I'm like auditioning Felipe around then. Marco like seems like the right person for the job, blah, 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 blah. I'm writing some other stuff. And I started working with my friend, Joseph Wilke and this local illustrator, Damien Canta on this horror mini anthology, House of Doom. We put that on Kickstarter in February of 2020. And halfway through the campaign, the lockdown start. Yep. So I had this great master plan of like, okay, I'll get this, I'll go to conventions, I'll like be able to, to work on my pitch and like see what's really working with people for sleepwalkers. And yeah, none of that happened. So I've just yeah. been like- There were no cons for a couple of years. I mean, yeah. So I've only started going this year. So production eventually rolled up. And then it was like a few, like a few months later than that, I was like, okay, well, I wrote this a few years ago. The world kind of changed radically. And I just need someone else to read it before I put it out there. And so, yeah, so that, then I brought Steve on board and, and he really made sure that I was coming across with the kind of story that I was trying to write. Um, and just like a really solid sanity check on the project. And yeah, he's been great. Um, we reorganized some pages, we moved some stuff around. We did a couple of pickups because I wrote to 22 pages. And since I'm self-publishing, I can actually get art for 24 pages I don't need space for as many ads but because there's no ads so I was I was able to do some more like additional pages and like flush a couple of scenes out or like flush some characters out and yeah I, I think the book's a lot stronger because I worked with them and so yeah that's that's the core team um as you may have seen in the Kickstarter we also have issue five because yes, I, saw that. I was going to ask about that yeah I deliver and you know, also I'm an indie creator, it's Kickstarter. Hey, here's volume one, it's a complete story unit. I feel like offering issue five, and this is the debut of issue five. Um, that's a way for me to signal, I think very strongly that, yeah, You're I'm not leaving you hanging here. There's more story, I'm not gonna leave you hanging. We're not done. And I, I finished projects. That's a characteristic of mine. Mm -hmm. So, um, Greg has some health issues and uh, Felipe, um, he stepped up and he's actually just doing all of the art um, okay. from issue five forward. So that stuff looks really great too. It's a little bit of a different style, but like it blends together pretty well. And um, yeah, we're drawing issue six right now. Okay, okay. Deal, Groovy deal. I appreciate you giving me a little bit about the team. Uh, now, of course you're working with Ink Publishing. And so on this particular project, as far as I know, I don't know if you've worked with them before, but this is your first time working with Kevin and them, or have you worked Yeah, with this them is my first time. We, we have a sponsor. So we've been sponsored. Have you ever tested your nerd kung fu? Have you ever tested nerd kung fu? Nerd kung fu, yes, your nerd kung fu. Now I know what you're thinking. What is nerd kung fu? Because it's not like we're gonna get a bunch of nerds fighting in a ring. But maybe it's about how you look. Maybe it's about being able to show off that nerd thing that you dig. You know what I mean? Do you like The Office? Do you like Star Wars? Do you like Jurassic Park? Do you like video games, anime, movies, etc.? Because if you do, you can get your nerd kung fu on. 
in the description on the podcast, there will be a link. You can go there and you can order up to your heart's desire on anything from shirts to socks to posters and all sorts of things. Even The Godfather. So if you're down into movies and video games and comic books and or things like that, TV shows even. I mean, like I said, The Office, Firefly is represented. They got all sorts of stuff. It's all legally licensed official stuff. Jingle Spider, uh, what's your nerd kung fu? Uh, my nerd kung fu is weak, but I feel like by following the link in the description, I might be able to make it stronger. Smider, what's your nerd kung fu? My nerd kung fu is a southern style. It uh, is very fast, very aggressive. Mostly uses just the two first knuckles on my hand to knock people out. But that's only because the stunt people are kind enough to fall over. It's up to you how your nerd kung fu is. We appreciate you checking it out and grabbing the link and getting your stuff from nerdkungfu.com. And so what's something that you've learned from them that's a little bit different than you may have not known, maybe perhaps in the prior projects that you've done? Um, so, funny thing. I mean, obviously, this isn't my first Kickstarter. You know, it's like my sixth. They've all been successful for different reasons. Um, I have a lot of experience doing marketing. Um, and I'm worse at it when I'm talking about myself, but better when I'm talking about other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I was working, like that I wanted to work with them for is to try something new, right? See if I can scale up the operation a little bit. I really wanted to talk to you and, and, you know, people like you on podcasts that aren't local where I can reach out to a wider crowd, right? Because things have been so locked down for the last couple of years, like I'm still figuring out how to table despite being three years into doing comics with eight books done, if you think about it. Um, but like, I'm like, I don't know if I need to, to be how vertical I need to be. I don't know what kind of banners I need. It's like all of this basic stuff I'm still working on. And um, like, it was really critical to me to like find a good way to connect to readers and comics fans right. that are far away and, and in the States and, you know, people who, you know, are in, in my current circle. Cause I, you can only ask your friends and acquaintances and whatever to help support your project so much before they get tired. Uh, and I don't want that for this. I care a lot about the project. I'm right. I'm very committed to finishing it because that's how I do. Yep. And so, you know, talking to you, hopefully your listeners as well, like are going to find a lot, um, that's compelling here and then i really look forward to entertaining everyone there you go and there's nothing wrong with that i mean one thing i always try to ask people especially when it gets started is you always want to know uh as far as things they've learned but also things that they can impart so for a person who's listening to this episode says hey i want to do a kickstarter someday i've never done one what's something that you could impart to them that maybe would help them maybe uh help them step over a puddle, so to speak, in their yeah. journey or something like that? Well, I'll start with um, a lesson I learned outside of Kickstarter, but that served me very well, um, which is every single member of your friends and family group, you can expect them to support you exactly once. It might not be all at the same time, but you'll get the once. After the once, it's on you to entertain them. 
So, you know, you're going to get a lot more support being a new creator from everyone being like, ooh, my friend's doing this cool thing as compared to like even like the second project of like, oh God, how much more of this thing do I need to listen to from my friend? <laughs> but you're, you're going to get like a huge push from your first project, um, usually, especially if you promote yourself reasonably well. And you can still use that to find new readers and, and connecting with those new readers is how you turn what you're doing into a sustainable uh, venture. Mm -hmm. So that's not specifically a Kickstarter thing. Yeah, the other is like, don't be afraid of it. Uh, even if you don't have a platform, um, like, cause I'm nobody. It's not like I've even gone to enough conventions to have anyone like seriously consider me. Mm -hmm. um, but you're still able to reach out to people everywhere in the world. And with enough pre-promotion and prep time and with a good enough product, like you're gonna be able to reach an audience. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're not gonna do gangbusters, but you might. And even if you don't, you're, if you consider the sustainability of your initiative, you know, don't, th these are like the standard piece of advice, like don't lose money on shipping. Uh, try not to lose money on anything. Right. Um, you know, all of that stuff, like, I'm certainly not at a point where I'm super comfortable asking for production costs on my Kickstarters, but I'm very comfortable asking for like the floor for printing costs um, to get me the number of like copies I want, which I can then bring on the road. And then, you know, all of this stuff is, will ideally mm -hmm. snowball in, into having a, a long running successful career doing comics and, and other creative. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And I appreciate you sharing that because I mean, that's important to consider. It's, it's how are you going to scale beyond the initial stories that you're telling? What's your, you know, what's your, what's your idea there? So talk to me a little bit about what, and I know you mentioned a little bit about your life in general being a part of that inspiration, but what are the things that inspired Sleepwalker? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that really inspired Sleepwalkers is, um Sandman like it's one of the first proper graphic novel things I read that was like okay here's comics but it's not really superheroes and it's definitely literature mm -hmm. um and, and its approach to looking at the imagination and at serious topics from a very strange angle is something that really appealed to me and that's one of the reasons I sort of went into my academic studies the way I did is to go read original stories, go learn new languages and, and find more of the language of storytelling that I could use to understand how people look at the world. I think, uh, broadly speaking, I think stories are a means by which human beings explain how they view their own place in the world. Um, and so tying into that, um, you know, that was something I really wanted to explore. Um, another major influence is this Roman philosopher Boethius, the guy who invented the idea of the wheel of fortune. Um, the way he looks at life, you know, fortune turns her wheel and you're either being dragged up into fame or being dragged down into the mud and it's still cyclical and, and it's a little bit different than like an Aristotelian idea of like a comedy which sort of ends in marriage and it's about you know creating joy or a tragedy which is often about serious topics and death 
and, and this is a Boethian comedy. Um, and in order to get to the comedy and to have a really uplifting ending, we have to start with the character on top and then drag them through the mud and, and follow that process along. And, and by, by having the sort of cyclical approach, um, it sort of lets me focus more on the overall arc of the narrative without thinking about how much of the ending needs to really matter. The ending can be a small victory, but as long as we're on the upward arc of the Wheel of Fortune, it's still a positive conclusion. And, and that'll let me like, you know, really dig deep and, and get into like the misery of that situation, especially at the beginning. All right. So, so you feel like with the uh, with sleepwalkers, then you definitely. It seems like I mean, at least telling this young lady's story about her getting out of school, having all these wonderful hopes and dreams, but not quite getting there, and not quite getting figuring out where there is for her. But the thing about there, uh, from just my personal experience, is there's no such thing as there because there's always another thing to get to. Even if you get to the level you want to get to, there that's never the end. And as long as you're alive, there's always something else to do. This is why they say money can't buy happiness, but it can definitely buy you out of a lot of unhappiness. Uh, yeah. A lot. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about some of the rewards that you're sure. doing with this particular campaign. So uh, we've got the graphic novel in a couple of formats. We've got um, the retail cover by Kenny Lamb, as well as variant covers um, by Felipe Obando and AZ Bolt, uh, both of which are gorgeous and you know, give you a different look at the story while still being suggestive instead of direct. Uh, we're also doing a single issue collector's edition. So this was written as single issues and I produced them initially as single issues. So we've got extra art by Kenny Lamb, all that stuff's there. There's a little bit of bonus material as well. Some making of stuff, some essays from me as I finished each issue. Um, we've got issue five, which is a great way to see where the story is going next and, and uh, to see Felipe's contribution as the main illustrator. Um, and then uh, we're doing like prints with all of the fun covers by like Kenny and uh, by the variant cover artists. Um, some really, some cute chibi stickers because I love me some cute chibi stickers. <laughs> some shot glasses that say adulting sucks on them. Ah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of drinking. This is a post-college uh, character, of course. so. Uh, is that kind of adult situation. So I, I just also kind of love the idea of shot glasses that do adulting sucks. And I found a local manufacturer for it. So I'm like, I am so just doing that. I always love to do something that's, you know, like the kind of thing that might actually be in the world of the book. Um, and one of the tiers, like the, the there's like a one of everything tier uh, that also includes, um, I'm paying for uh, a $15 donation to a local charity that helps black youth uh, succeed in, in their postgraduate lives. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty simple rewards. Um, here's some art, here's some variant covers, here's your collector's edition um, and stuff related to the project. But um, it also means it's gonna be really easy to make your decision as to what you want. And right. they're so cheap in USD right now because the US dollar is doing gangbusters. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so another thing I've noticed one of the chibi stickers, of course, is the big creature. Yeah. But then there's another chibi sticker of a knight. Now I noticed that there are some moments in our main character's story, at least in the preview, where 
this knight just kind of shows up to make sure that certain parts of her are covered where they're supposed to be? I mean, that's just for the previews. So that knight is from um, a couple of pages in issue four when uh, another character who's like a 12-year-old boy is narrating. So we just drew that scene as um, like a chibi fantasy story. Oh, wow. Um, because it's a different character narrating it. Right. And so um, that's my, okay, that's like, you know, how that kid views uh, Radiant Dawn, the superhero that Faith becomes when she's asleep. Um, and it's got the same, like, you know, branding and color scheme and things like that. So it's basically a version of the superhero character, but it was so cute, I could not use it. <laughs> and so now it's like you're sitting there going, you get the shot glasses and you're sitting there going, what does a 12-year-old imagine a shot of whiskey? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's probably, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> no, like the 12-year-old certainly didn't imagine the shot of whiskey, but nevertheless, I, it's a cute little image. Like the, the, the Nautilus thing is also, that's a cuter version of it. I think what, it was weird, like every year growing up, like New Year's was always a mystery to me because, you know, like when you're younger, you know, like, your parents, you know, give you some sort of thing like ginger ale or, 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 or like sparkling grape juice. And if you had never had alcohol before, you're thinking, like, this is really cool. I get this sparkling grape juice stuff, which is different from normal grape juice that I've had to pass, you know, that type of thing. But then, you know, like one day you wake up and like, are they really training me for something more here? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's certainly a thing. Um, I was always allowed to have like little bits of wine after religious services and things like that. So, um, especially after I turned 13. So it took me a while to be like, oh, what is this alcohol thing? And why do people like it? Like, I never got like super hardcore into that kind of thing. But I definitely remember like the very, very sweet sparkling grape juice from when I was younger than that. Mm -hmm. uh, and how excited I was for it and not realizing that I should have been excited for something much, much better. Yeah. I mean, well, you, I say that my I'm last birthday. I'm still excited for sparkling grape juice now, though, because I still love the taste of sparkling grape juice. I'm not I a mean, big alcohol person either. So I'm a fan of alcoholic sparkling grape juice. Like I was my last birthday. I, I took a walk down graffiti alley with a bottle of champagne, um, which I definitely just put straight in my face. And some of it came out my nose because I forgot that champagne gets bubbly. Um, it was one of those days. So that I liked sparkling grape juice myself. And that is how. <laughs> yeah, that was a terrible story. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's all part of the fun of the conversation. So we've got a few minutes left. We're going to wrap up, but I want to let, I want you to let people know where they can get in on the campaign, where they can find stuff. Basically, how can people give you money? Absolutely. So go to Kickstarter, look up Sleepwalkers, or go to, what's it, Divergent dot, uh, oh, geez, www.divergent.pub slash Sleepwalkers, or go to Kickstarter, look up either Sleepwalkers, hashtag adulting, hashtag you know, or adulting sucks, you should find it. We're in comics, we're in graphic novels. Donate to the campaign, grab a copy of the book, and enjoy the hell out of it. For USD people, for the people in the United States, uh, a trade with the retail cover is about 26 bucks. Uh, of course, that doesn't count shipping at this place. It's like $10 Canadian for shipping, so oh, probably yeah. 30 bucks shipped. But, oh, 
And everything will be shipped by Christmas in North America. Yep, yep. December 2002, you're the second person I've spoken with today, and you're the second person I've spoken with that, like, by the time the campaign's over, it'll be out in less than a month's time. Which is beautiful, because you don't get many campaigns, I think I mentioned this with the other person too, you don't get many campaigns that start and end that way, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, that's how I do. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and finish this out. Thank you, Danny, for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate talking with you and everything about your Kickstarter. Uh, we've had a conversation with Danny uh, Gordy about Sleepwalkers and uh, join the campaign, get in on it as quick as you can before it's gone. And uh, blah, 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 guys, do me a favor. Be blessed with a blessing of somebody, guys. Take care.